One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show that wields the mighty power of the song story to get our guests talking like there isn't even a microphone recording every word they say. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Brendan Rivers. Originally from Clifton Park, New York, Brendan moved to Florida when he was in high school. He has a bachelor's degree in music from New College of Florida in Sarasota and an associate's degree in music production and technology from Daytona State College. Brendan originally planned to pursue a career as a composer, arranger, music producer, and recording engineer, but he got an internship at WGCU, and that convinced him he belongs in broadcasting and in public media. He's been a special projects producer at WJCT in Jacksonville since 2018. Prior to that, he spent time as a reporter and then news director at Southern Stone Communications, which owns and operates several radio stations in the Daytona Beach area. Brendan is the lead reporter for ADAPT, which is WJCT's digital magazine exploring how Northeast Florida is adapting to sea level rise and other effects of climate change. He also hosts the ADAPT podcast. I met him while attending a public radio conference in Seattle, Washington, and now we get to know him through his three song stories. Hey there, Brendan. How are you today? I'm doing well, Michael. Thank you so much for doing this. And only my mother calls me Michael. So go ahead and stick with Mike. Um, Okay, I got to just start here before we get into the meat of the show. Um, You went to New College and I've known some New College people, uh, both when they were students and in life. And New College people are kind of weirdos. Are you kind of a weirdo? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely identify as a weirdo. Um, I, I will say... At least at first glance, I think I might be a little less weird than a lot of new college students because I remember in Sarasota when I would go places and tell people I went to new college, they would always like stop for a second and be like, you don't look like you go to new college. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, just describe for our listeners what makes new college different in terms of most colleges and universities, especially public ones. Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of big differences. Uh, I the, the quick way to describe it is it's a big hippie school. Um so lots of people walking around barefoot, uh, coming into class with their their shirts hanging open and just like being being dirty hippies, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, so they have no grades there, uh, which was really great for me because it made classes less about getting that A or that B or whatever, and more about learning the material and, and finding things that you're interested in. And you can even kind of design your own classes and, and work with professors to, to learn exactly what you want to learn that might not be on the standard curriculum. And then every year they require you to do a big independent study project. So freshman, sophomore, junior years, you basically you don't have classes the month of January. And instead, you're expected to work on some big independent study project. And then your your fourth year, you are expected to do a senior thesis. Um, and I I majored in music, so I was pretty excited when you guys invited me to to come be on this show because uh, I did a lot of music projects and stuff when I was in school. You know, I always thought that I'd be great at new college at this point in my life, but I would have been (laughs) horrible at it at 18. (laughs) I think that's probably true for a lot of people. There's a pretty high uh, dropout and transfer rate there. It's definitely not for everybody, but the people who it is for, it's, it's a really, really great environment. So were you listening to music in your car on your way to work today? Uh, I actually was not. I think I was listening to a podcast on my way into work today. What is in your podcast regimen? Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff. My Probably my favorite podcast is On the Media from WNYC. 
Hey, um, yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, it's a really good show. Um, I also love like The Daily and Today Explained. Um, I listen to a lot of climate change related podcasts. Um, lots of stuff. I, I have a pretty annoyingly long list of podcasts I listen to and I frequently can't get around to listening to all of them. <laughs> so you grew up in Clifton Park, New York, which I suppose would be considered upstate New York, right? Yep, that's correct. It's near Albany. So how would you describe the musical background of your childhood growing up? Hmm. So my my parents are both in their 60s um, and they both like music a lot. So when I was a kid growing up, it was, it was a lot of uh, – uh, like old rock music, a lot of Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, stuff like that. Uh, my mom was really into like some old R and B and soul and stuff. Um, so that that was kind of uh, what my family introduced me to. But then, uh, as I was in school and stuff and around kids, I started to listen more to what other people were listening to and in, in pop music and, and stuff like that. Some definitely some some music I'm not too proud to admit that I listened to back in the day. So admit to some of it. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid, I liked Creed. Uh, I liked Nickelback. Hey, also a, a 90s Creed fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so a few of them. Uh, Nickelback. I don't know. I don't even know if I know a Nickelback song, but I know that I'm supposed to not like them. Um, <laughs> You'd probably recognize some of their stuff. So um, if I ask you to recall the earliest musical memory you can flash back to, what might pop into your mind? Earliest musical memory. Um I don't know. I guess there's kind of two. So one is, uh, and they're, they're both kind of related. So I was raised Unitarian Universalist. Um, and at church, I was in the choir when I was a kid and we had a really great, uh, music teacher there and we would sing stuff together. And the other is, uh, and this, this we'll talk more about this later, but I used to go to the summer camp every year that was affiliated with Unitarian Universalism. And every morning, uh, everyone at the camp would get together in this big tree house is what we called it, but it was just a big second story building. And we would all just like sing songs together and play guitar and stuff for like an hour every morning. Hmm. Uh, were instruments being played around you as a kid and or did you play instruments as a kid? Uh, yes to both of those questions. So my dad to this day still plays guitar almost religiously. Pretty much every day he'll he'll sing and he'll play guitar if, if he can. Um, and I've been playing instruments since I was in seventh grade, I think. Um, seventh and eighth grade, I played violin. Uh, then eighth grade, I picked up bass, um, and I was classically trained, so I played in, in school orchestras and stuff. And then when I moved to Florida, right before my junior year of high school, I, I started playing in jazz bands and stuff. As a bass player? As a bass player, yeah. Are you still playing today? No, I have not played in in a very long time. Um, I, I enjoyed playing, but I, I'm very much an introvert. I don't like being on a stage in front of people performing. Um, so for me, I, I very much have always been more interested in all of the behind the scenes stuff. So in, in college, I, my focus was on music theory and music composition and then, uh, audio production and recording and mixing and stuff like that. If you could learn one instrument instantly now, like the matrix, which would you choose? Uh, probably drums. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be a drummer in a room by yourself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just think that, so, so I I have always struggled with uh, improvisation uh, when I played jazz. I, I was classically trained, so I very much relied on on reading the music. And, and part of it is just because I kind of have a pretty bad memory. So just remembering all the uh, 
the things you need to remember for harmony and improvising melodies and bass lines and stuff. It was a lot, but I feel like if you're if you're playing drums, you don't have to worry about quite as much. You know, it's just the rhythm. You don't have to worry about hitting the right notes and making sure you're in the right key. You know. Understood. Um, okay, it is time for your first song, Brendan Rivers. Uh, this is the 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 cover, I suppose, of Here Comes the Sun, right? Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I just wanted to find a different version for everybody because everyone's heard the Beatles version, and and uh, Jacob Collier is one of my favorite musicians. So, uh, and it's a pretty cool version of the song. So, what's the story? Or, so, or would you like to listen? It's your choice. No, we can, we can go over the story first because it actually kind of links back to that summer camp I was telling you about. So, uh, I'm sure I'd heard this song when I was a kid because, like I said, my parents listened to the Beatles a lot. Um, but uh, one of my counselors at that that camp kind of reintroduced me to this song, and at the time, I was kind of in that that like. I don't know. I was probably between 10 and 13 when this happened. So I was at that stage where I was like trying to be cool. And I wanted to listen to like what my friends listened to, um, which was uh, by my taste these days was, was not very good music. Um, but when he reintroduced me to the song, I mean, I just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, I love the melody. I love the lyrics, uh, just pretty much everything about it. And we would sing it sometimes with that, the, the morning meeting I was telling you guys about before we would all just get together and sing. Um, and so I remember coming back from camp that summer. And, and again, I don't remember which year this was, but I just wanted to start listening to the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and all that kind of stuff again. Um, and I think that's really when I started kind of looking for music because I wanted to find things that brought me joy and not wanting to listen to specific music because I thought it made me cool or it would help me fit in with some group of kids at school. You know, you found your uh, individuality through uh, the Beatles. Yeah, I, I think that's one way to put it for sure. <laughs> um, paint a picture of what it was like at the camp. Was there a, like somebody playing a guitar and all the kids were singing or just kind of paint that picture of what the singing moments looked like? Sure. So it was a two-story building and this was going to happen on the second floor, which is basically just a huge open room with lots of uh, like wood on the walls and the ceiling and stuff and lots of windows looking out at uh, this really dense mountaintop forest. And there was a little stage, and all the counselors who wanted to kind of, like, lead musically would be on stage. A bunch of them would be playing guitar. Uh, some of them would have, like, little tambourines or something. There was a grand piano sometimes someone would play. And they'd be up there leading uh, all the kids in songs, and the, the kids would kind of be on the floor sitting, looking up at the stage. Yeah, sounds pretty idyllic. Uh, well, let's listen to it, imagining that. This is Brendan Rivers' first song here on Three Song Stories. This is Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, performed here by Jacob Collier. Well, that was an audio experience that was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, That's such yeah. a cool uh, version of that song. Goodness. Yeah. I think yeah, I like yeah. that better than the Beatles' <laughs> <I do too>. version. <laughs> Yeah, Jacob Collier does some really crazy stuff. I love those giant harmonies that he's doing at the end there. It's so cool. Yeah. And that's with himself. <laughs> that's yeah, just like that's... just a bunch of harmonies with himself, with his own voice, and same with Dodie. Like they. So you know who J- Jacob Collier is? I didn't is, until Richard? until this episode. He's twenty seven. He's pretty young, yeah. And you the, definitely go check him out. Yeah. Um. The video for that implies at least that it's just like him a bunch of times because mm-hmm. the the shot is like uh, duplicates of himself on screen. Hmm. And so those harmonies, you know, it's like a screen full of him and full of her, but it's just the two of them. Yeah. It's 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 definitely a richer version of that song. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he does that kind of stuff a lot. He loves it. As, as far as I know, most of his uh, like recorded stuff, not his live stuff, he's basically playing all the instruments and singing all the vocal lines. Uh, and it's it's just crazy, the stuff he does. It's so out there. I love it. Uh, did Nickelback ever cover that song? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> not that I'm aware. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> if they did, I probably would not listen to it today. Uh, do you happen to keep up with any of the kids that were in that camp still? I do. Uh, there are several that I, I talk to every now and then. One of them I still consider one of my, my closest friends, and we talk very regularly. I actually talked to him on the phone for a few minutes uh, yesterday or, or earlier this week. So if that sort of uh, shifted your musical tastes and your willingness to be an individual when it comes to music, when you were in high school, did you stick with Beatles and things like that? Uh, I did uh, until I moved to Florida when I was uh, right before my junior year. Um, and this this kind of gets into the, the next song. So uh, as I said earlier, when I moved to Florida, I started playing in the jazz band um, and I had never really been exposed too much to jazz up to that point. Um, and I made two very good friends through the jazz program there, uh, Davin and Adam, uh, who both still live in Florida. And I speak to them regularly. And they started introducing me to, to jazz stuff. And I, I, I very vividly remember just kind of like sitting in the, the car in the parking lot during lunch, uh, listening to music with them or just driving around. We listened to a lot of music. Um, and that kind of started me on the musical trajectory I've been on ever since, really. Jazz is, is my, my main thing and, and all of its different variants. Um, and the, the first jazz artist I can remember really getting into and sort of becoming obsessed with was, was Herbie Hancock. Um, so this, this next song is Hang Up Your Hang Ups by Herbie Hancock. And it was from one of the, the two albums he did that I was really really into uh, as a, a high schooler and that's headhunters and manchild and this track is from manchild and all the tracks from those two albums are just like super cool and funky uh most people are probably familiar with chameleon that's one of the the more popular uh tunes that he did from this sort of era well you just did a little foreshadowing brendan because we're not going to play your second song quite yet i want to dwell <laughs> on your life a little bit more so when you were in high school before you discovered jazz um mm -hmm. like where did you fit into the hierarchy or the social structure <laughs> of high school uh i i guess i would think of myself as kind of a, a nomad socially in high school because i i had a lot of different interests i played soccer so i was kind of in with the soccer people I was in bands, so I was kind of in with the band people. Um, the The school I I went to when I lived in Nashville before I moved to Florida was uh, was a magnet school, so uh, pretty much everybody there was was pretty smart and nerdy. Um, and then when I moved to Florida, I was in uh, IB, so I was hanging out with the the smart smarter nerdy kids there too, I guess. Um, yeah, so those were kind of the groups I kind of went, went between all of them, I guess. Okay. Do you happen to remember your first slow dance? Oof. Uh, I don't know that I do, actually. Um, I mean, I remember several dances and slow dances at those, but I, I don't know which one would be my first. Okay. Um, you said yeah. oof. You said oof. I still um, want to know <laughs> what kind of what kind of music comes to mind to you if you say, like, high school slow dance. <laughs> like, what do you associate it with? Uh, I don't know that I have a good answer for that question either. I haven't listened to that music since then, really. So. It's music uh, music he left behind. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was early 2000s. I don't know what was the, the slow, popular songs from the early 2000s. Yeah, Google maybe slow yeah, boys, songs. Maybe Boys to Men yeah. or... <laughs> Probably. Um, were you ever in any bands? Uh. 
not really outside of school. Like I said, I was in the orchestra and the jazz bands. And then in college, I played in some uh, some groups, too. But I was never really in bands with friends. Every once in a while, I would play with some some people. But most of my friends were very much musicians. So they were kind of like way out of my league in terms of, of playing music. So it wasn't really fun for either of us when I played with them. <laughs> you kind of alluded earlier that you didn't really like getting up in front of people, but I guess that when you're in the, the band in high school, it's a collective experience. So you were able to get past that. Yeah. And I was a bass player. So I was kind of in the back. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it was still definitely uh, a bit nerve wracking for me sometimes, especially in, in, in jazz when, when as a bass player, you're the only player. So if you make a mistake, pretty much everyone's going to notice it. And I still vividly remember uh, this one tune that we would play in high school jazz band that opened with a bass solo. And I remember it. We there was this annual jazz festival uh, near the high school, and I still remember m- misplaying that opening solo one time <laughs> and being really embarrassed about it. Remember, remember what it felt like? Yeah, it was horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Super embarrassing. Um, So what led you to New College? Um, So my parents basically told me they would cover in-state tuition for me when I went to college. So if I wanted to go out of state, that was was on me. And I did not want to have a huge amount of uh, college loans to have to pay off afterwards. So I decided I wanted to, to stay in state. Um, and looking at all the schools, new college felt like it would be the best choice for me just cause it was, it was so unique. And, uh, I liked the idea of having smaller class sizes so I could interact more with the professors. Um, I liked the idea of not having grades. Um, so I, d- I did apply to a couple other schools, but new college was always my first choice. Um, so as, as soon as I got that acceptance letter, none, none, none of the rest of them really mattered to me. Do you remember when you first went to do a visit and you saw like how the campus is arranged and the buildings that are it, that it's in because it's a really cool place? Yeah, it is a very cool campus. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I remember the campus pretty vividly and I, I'm pretty sure I remember going to visit with my parents. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, it's built on what used to be the Ringling Estate, and it's right there on the water, not the ocean. Uh, but so there's just like really cool, old, historic buildings, lots of great views, and Sarasota is a, a pretty cool town. Um, I, I remember pretty regularly me and a bunch of friends from, from college, we, we would go to Siesta Key, which is pretty close by, which is the nicest beach I've ever been to in the States. So if, if anyone's around there, definitely go check out Siesta Key. So you were you were studying um, uh, music at New College. Mm-hmm. Just describe a little bit like what your focus was. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a lot of music theory. Um, I, for some reason, I, that always really fascinated me. Um, when I went, when I first went there, I, music was not even a consideration. I went thinking I was going to do marine biology, history or anthropology or religion, actually, because I was always really fascinated by religion. Um, but then I just for fun took a music theory class and and just fell in love with it. Um, so it was, my focus was mostly on music theory and music composition. So I was writing a lot of music at the time. Um, and I was mostly studying classical music, Western art music, uh, through school. But I, at the time was really interested in jazz and blues music. So I was kind of studying the the music theory behind those genres on my own and then when i was composing i was kind of trying to combine those those two or th- i guess three distinct genres into sort of one one thing what was your senior thesis focused on my senior thesis was focused on the music of george gershwin 
and how he was incorporating different uh, ideas from other musical cultures into his pieces to kind of portray what he saw as sort of this uh, dream of the American melting pot. Hmm. Um, you don't really play music anymore, as I understand it. So once you have sort of the the basics and the understanding of music theory in your brain, does it stick forever or kind of have you lost some of it? Or how does that work? Because I kind of know some real basics, but very shallow. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think I remember uh, like the, the big major things, um, but I think there are probably a lot of uh, things I would have to review, like uh, specific, like harmonic techniques. Um, but, but overall, like, I, I mean, I still understand how harmony works and I can, I can, could still probably pick up some sheet music and sight read it and, and, and know what's going on and be able to analyze what, what's happening. And throw around terms like circle of fifths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does it inform the way you listen to music still to this day at all? So I've never really listened to music and been thinking about music theory as I'm doing it, unless there's like a really weird time signature or, or rhythmic thing going on that I'm trying to figure out. Usually I'm I'm more in the moment when I'm listening to music and just kind of uh, appreciating melodies or like interesting harmonies or harmonic progressions or, or sort of like getting really into some sort of funky syncopated rhythm. I'm I'm, I'm not really analyzing. Uh, music as I listen to it. Understood. I, I know a couple of music theory people and sometimes they can't not do it. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Herbie Hancock. Talk some about Herbie Hancock now. Um, so, I mean, if anyone listening listens to jazz, I'm sure you're familiar with Herbie Hancock. He's one of the greatest jazz musicians of all time, but I was specifically really into sort of his, his jazz funk fusion stuff. Um, and actually, I've gotten to see him play live twice now, both both times in Jacksonville. Before I moved up here, he he came up for Jazz Fest that's several years ago, and I came up with with my friends Adam and Davin, who introduced me to him and jazz. Uh, and then he came up for Jazz Fest this year too. So I, I've I've seen him play live twice now. Um, and he, he's 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 getting old, but he's still got it, man. <laughs> he he is a phenomenal musician and a great performer. So if if you haven't heard him, I definitely check it out. Uh, again, my favorite albums of his are Headhunters and Manchild. Uh, if, if you're not so much into jazz, he also has like a really cool electronic album. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, the really popular track from that album is called Rocket. Um, and that's really cool, funky, weird electronic music. Yeah. That, that one kind of took over MTV for a while back in the early days. I remember. So why is Hang Up Your Hang Ups your second song? Uh, that was just always my my favorite track of his. I think it's just super funky and high energy, really interesting. Uh, uh, like I said, I grew up being a bass player, and it has just a really cool, prominent bass line in it. Uh, it's it's just a, a really cool and energizing track for me. At the time back then, would you you know play it and then play along with your bass? Uh, no, I don't think I did that with with this song. I would do that with some things. Um, usually when I was doing that would be simpler things. Like I would, I would uh, play along a lot with Stevie wonder kind of stuff uh, like superstitious. Um, but, but, but jazz was, was always tough for me to play. Okay. Well, let's listen to this Herbie Hancock song. I do know rocket, but I don't know this one. This is hang up your hangups. Um, it's from Herbie Hancock's 1975 album, man child. It's Brendan river's second song here on three song stories. What's it like listening to that today, thinking back on then? Uh, 
I mean, I, I, Josh could tell you, I was sitting here just kind of bobbing my head, tapping my toes to it. It's, it's, it, it still hits me as hard as it did when I was a kid. It's just so funky, so much energy. Uh, I don't know that, that kind of music to me is just like, it's like pure joy. It's, uh, I can't sit still when I listen to it. Do you, do you ever approach playing that like as a bassist? That specific piece? No, I, I don't think I ever really tried playing that one. Um, I definitely did try my hand at a few sort of uh, funky bass lines, but uh, nothing that elaborate, I don't think. That was outside the scope of your jazz band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one would be pretty tough for me, for sure. Um, is his music and that kind of music still part of your you know sort of main musical consumption scheme? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the kind of music I listen to the most today is is what I would call jazz funk fusion. Uh, jazz funk music uh, these days my my two favorite bands probably are snarky puppy and uh cory wong and the wong notes and they they both do uh definitely more modern takes but but kind of similar really funky music mostly instrumental stuff uh lots of solos and and, and just really really fun high energy stuff Richard, I think Brendan's cooler than us when it comes to music. Uh, at least from a public radio <laughs> perspective, he's got us outgunned. Yeah, definitely. How do you listen to music these days? And I mean that very literally. Like we have, you know, are you still listening to CDs? Are you fully streaming? Explain, you know, paint that picture. Yeah, I'm pretty much only streaming. Um, I, I do have a few CDs still. Uh, we do have a record player at the apartment, but uh, it needs some new tubes, and we, we just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. Uh, but it's most mostly streaming music. Uh, I listen to it in the car a lot. I listen to it when I'm uh, out and about doing stuff or doing chores at home, you know, uh, just pop in some headphones and listen to music. Uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll listen with friends. Um, before the pandemic, I was going to listen to live music like at least once a week. I don't go as often anymore, but I'm, I'm starting to, to try to go uh, a little more frequently now. Um, but I've, I've always really loved live music. You said new tubes. What, what do you mean by tubes? Oh, it's just like a really old okay. uh, record player with, with, with tubes. Uh, that's that's just a lot of old analog uh, audio equipment. They use tubes instead of just like everything being uh, wires and cables. I understood. I understood. I, I knew about tubes in certain devices, but I never knew about tubes and record players. I just had to clarify. Um, Maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what was wrong with it. Okay. Um, over the course of your career in media, have you met any famous musicians? Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, I mean, I guess the, the only one that I actually know, his, his name is uh, Ulysses Owens Jr. And he lives here in Jacksonville. He is a phenomenal drummer, Grammy winning. Uh, he, I think he teaches music at Juilliard too. Um, and he has played with a lot of like the, the biggest names in jazz, including one of my favorite musicians of all time, Christian McBride. Um, so he's, he's, he's a big deal. Um, and, uh, we, we, we haven't seen each other as much since the pandemic, but we, we would, uh, hang out every now and then, uh, beforehand. And, uh, I would go listen to him play whenever he was playing in town. And he's just a really cool guy. He, uh, he and his family run this nonprofit here in Jacksonville called don't miss a beat. Uh, and this is how I actually, uh, was introduced to him as I did a story on it because it's, it's this really cool program they set up in these, uh, low-income, predominantly black neighborhoods, and it's this after-school program uh, basically designed to, to help kids with schoolwork but also to, to, to teach them music and to give them uh, experiences with music. Um, 
and it's it's really helped to lower crime in those areas and it's provided really amazing opportunities for the kids who who participate and a lot of them end up going to uh some of the the really uh high caliber art schools here in jacksonville and they go on to do great things and uh it's a really really cool program really great guy and phenomenal musician that's very cool. Um, so your bio says that you were planning on pursuing a career as a composer, arranger, music producer, recording engineer, things like that. And I know the answer to this question, but I want you to explain <laughs> what diverted you from that path. Sure. Uh, so uh, I was actually, uh, after I graduated, I was actually living in Fort Myers um, because my, my girlfriend at the time was was going to FGCU. And um, I was was working retail, but I had an internship at a recording studio over there. Um, and there's some great recording engineers. It was actually a really cool studio. Um, and I, I enjoyed my time there, but I, I felt like 90 to 95% of what they did there was just people who had some extra cash on hand and they just wanted to try recording rap. So they would just buy some beat off of the internet and they would come in they would give us this beat and then we would just kind of record them over the beat. Um, and needless to say, most of the time it was not very good. <laughs> um, and I am a, a little bit of a music snob, I guess people would say. Um, so that was kind of disheartening for me. And I was like, I, I don't know that I could do this for a career. I don't know that I could sit here and listen to people come in and do really bad rap for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so I uh, got another internship uh, at WGCU. Um, and I actually worked with Richard uh, quite a bit. And I, I worked uh, with Luke um, and, and Brian, uh, both of whom used to work there as well. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes to the possibility of, of working in, in public media. As, that's a place where I could do something that I felt was, was important and meaningful for the community. And I could still use my, my audio and sound chops. And there were places where I could kind of scratch that creative itch that I have. Um, and after that internship, uh, I kind of had this goal. I wanted to work in public media. Um, and I had been trying to get in. And then a couple of years ago, uh, WJCT gave me a shot. And I've, I've been here now since uh, August 2018, so four years uh, next month, I guess. We converted you to you did. public radio. Um, <laughs> by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you can go and look for uh, episode 98 is uh, Luke's episode. Uh, it says Luke Flannery. Uh, when he moved out to California, uh, he changed uh, his surname. I'll have to go listen. I didn't know he did an episode of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he was visiting in town. For Richard like, hosted. I did host that we one. We drank um, whiskey in the studio. We did drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we drank whiskey. Uh, he brought some um, import. And I think we had um, Baiju as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Luke was here in town to play a reunion show with his band uh, for one kind of one night. And we also did the episode because we knew he was going to be here. So it was a good times all around. Uh, episode yeah, 98. Uh, Brandon, were you a public radio listener or was this like an entirely new piece of understanding the world for you? Uh, no, I, I had been a public radio listener for a very long time. Um, both of my parents uh, were very into NPR. I remember as a kid uh, listening to of NPR. Of course they were. My parents. The you went to New College. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, as, a, as a kid in high school, uh, I really liked uh, – uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the show now. Uh, 
A Prairie the, Home the, Companion. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, my dad did love that show. He listened to that all. No, it was the, the, the comedy news show. Why am I blinking on the name? Wait, of wait, don't tell me. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Yes. Yeah, I was a big fan of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, like in high school. We're the lead into Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me now. It'll be on in 28 oh, minutes. We? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what started me. And then when I was going to New College, I listened to uh, public radio a lot for both news and the there was a classical radio station uh, that I got. So public radio was definitely on my radar. Like I was a big fan of the content, but I had never really thought about working in, in public radio until the internship uh, down there. But interestingly, you didn't go into like what Richard does, which is more the the engineering side of things, the button pushing, the getting the log straight. You went into reporting. So how did that happen? Yeah. So uh, after I left Fort Myers, uh, I moved to Daytona. Um, so I kind of had to start over. Uh, so I, I picked up an internship at a radio station down there doing a bunch of different things. Uh, and... I would fill in for uh, the morning show producer, so running the board and stuff. And so I would come in contact with the news director there. And one day she was just like, hey, would you want to try doing some reporting, maybe do some traffic or something? And and at the time I was like, I was trying to get my foot in the door and to like actually get a, a job there. Uh, so I was like, yeah, of course, I'll do it. Um, and she just started training me and she uh, eventually hired me as a full-time reporter and that's kind of what I've been, I've been doing ever since. Brendan, you and I have something in common, and that is careers in public radio without ever having taken a journalism class. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. I have a computer science degree. <laughs> <laughs> More useful than music, probably. <laughs> so tell us about what you do there at JCT and, uh, in particular, ADAPT. Sure. So my title here is Special Projects Producer, um, and essentially what that means is I am developing podcasts for the station um i've got a few in the works right now i don't want to talk about them too much because we're, we're we're still working on them um but i am also the lead reporter for our, our special project called adapt which is uh, a digital magazine is kind of how we describe it focused on how climate change is impacting northeast florida and what's being done about it and we, we do some statewide stuff too but we we try to keep it pretty local uh for the most part so through that we do about two stories a month. Uh, we actually just published a, a new story today looking at some uh, relatively uh, recent research out of FSU uh, looking at climate gentrification. Um, and they're kind of warning that this is over the coming decades. It could be kind of an existential crisis for a lot of major Florida cities, including Jacksonville. Um, and we've done a bunch of other stuff, too. We do live events uh, at least four times a year, usually, which kind of gives our audience the opportunity to to actually interact with people who are making these decisions with 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 scientists and, and policymakers and stuff like that uh, we also have a, a podcast where we profile individuals who are working on issues related to climate change um, and we've done a few short video pieces as well so we've kind of experimented with a bunch of different things and, and now we're doing a a newsletter so so twice a month i'm sending out a newsletter to our subscribers where i give them a little background information, share some content that I'm consuming related to climate change, and, and then send them a link to whatever my most recent story is. Hmm. Uh, coincidentally, our associate general manager, Amy Shoemaker, stopped by the studio right before we started, and I mentioned we were talking to you, and she said, oh, tell him I read ADAPT. 
Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's very cool. I, I, I also stumbled into public radio in a sort of I, – I was at FGCU. I wasn't studying journalism. They said, do you want to do an internship? But I thought, oh, I'm going to do public radio. I mean, it just <laughs> hit me like immediately. I was like, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Um, let's talk about concert experiences. You said mm-hmm. you used to see a lot of music before the pandemic. Like in general, are you a concert goer throughout your life? Yeah, I, I always have been. I've always loved live music um so pretty much as long as i can remember i've been going to see live music on a very regular basis do you have a peak concert experience peak concert experience Hmm. either because the scope was so big or the intimacy was so good or the you know rarity of being able to see them anything like that (laughs) um hmm okay so i think peak concert experience for me is uh probably uh going to see my friend davin's band play um and and davin i mentioned him earlier he he and my buddy adam are the ones that really got me into jazz music but davin and a bunch of his friends who uh live in orlando they have they they used to have i don't think they're they're playing anymore but this phenomenal band called the conglomerate and they did like really funky music kind of like that herbie hancock track we just listened to earlier um and i was friends with all of them and i knew them really well so uh, I would go hear them play as often as possible, and I would try to help out as much as I could. Um, I even recorded uh, some stuff for them. We we uh, did a recording, and I mixed uh, one of their songs that we submitted for a uh, Tiny Desk competition a few Ooh. years back. So just, just knowing these guys uh, and being friends with them and then getting to watch them play was just such a cool experience because they were all so close, and they – had so much fun playing together like they would just be smiling looking at each other laughing like they would be like telling little musical jokes to each other on their instruments uh is just a really really fun experience getting to hear them play live have you ever traveled a long distance in order to see live music hmm. up to this point i don't think i've traveled any further than like one or two hours for uh music I, I, I probably would, um, but I feel like we, we get pretty much everything in Florida, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, we get a lot of big You're one of the acts. stops. Jacksonville's definitely one of the stops. But yeah, I've, I've gotten to hear several of my favorite musicians since I moved here to Jacksonville, so I, I don't feel like I really need to travel much to, to, to hear the kind of stuff I want to hear. Do you have a dream act you'd like to see live that you haven't had a chance to yet? Hmm. Uh, for a long time it was Snarky Puppy, but they came to Jacksonville not that long ago, so I've I've gotten to hear them now. Uh, Jacob Collier, I would love to to hear play live. Uh, hmm. yeah, I guess I guess he would probably be. Oh no, no. So so Corey Wong, I haven't heard him play live yet either, and uh, he's he's definitely one of my favorite musicians right now. So he's probably top of the list, and then Jacob Collier's probably second. If you could go back in time, is there a band or concert experience you wish you could have had? Hmm. Uh, Oscar Peterson. Who's that? Uh, he is a jazz pianist. He is, in my opinion, uh, the greatest jazz pianist to ever live. Um, I'm not sure when he died, but I think he died several years ago. Um, but he was, uh, he, he was also one of the, the first, he, he was like the first straight ahead jazz guy I really got into. Um, and he, he's the, his style of play is very bluesy and soulful and he, it, how quick he is with his fingers is, is really incredible. He, he, he is such a phenomenal musician. You're really a jazz guy. Yeah. I, I it's, it's definitely 
one of my favorites for sure. I, I think that's that's probably my my go to. I think that you may hear very solidly to the maxim that jazz plus jazz equals jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Old Parks and Rec NPR joke. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's funny, Richard, is I was literally going to say that. I know. Before you crack the I could see it in your eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think one of the songs, I think one of the songs they mix is, I think it's like Herbie Hancock and Coltrane. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> they just play them on top of each other. Yeah, I remember that episode. <laughs> um, who did we have in studio? I can't remember his name. Take Ooh. five. Who did take five? Oh, uh, Dave Brubeck. Brubeck. Dave Brubeck. I did, I did hear him play live in Ramsey Lewis. Mike has a Brubeck story. Yeah, he he sat in the studio that I'm in right now, directly across from where I am. He was on our show Gulf Coast Live at the time. Wow. It was like 2004. And he was in town to play out on Sanibel Island uh, at a jazz club that used to be out there. And I got to drive out to pick him up in my van and then spend 40 minutes coming back to the station with him. And the funny thing is, is I didn't know who he was. I'm not a jazz guy. So the whole way (laughs) back, one of the most famous, I know (laughs) And the whole way back, we're just talking, you know, I'm just talking. It's like, this guy plays music, whatever. And then when we got back, then, you know, he was on the show. I was producer at the time. And then when we drove back, I was like afraid I was going to wreck because I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God, I've got the most famous jazz musician in the world sitting next to me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, he was actually, I think, him and Ramsey Lewis, they did a concert together when I was in high school, and I think that was the first jazz concert I went to. My dad took me, and this was after shortly after I joined uh, high school jazz band, and my, my dad is a big music lover, and he he never like really listened to jazz a lot, but he, he, he likes it and he appreciates it, so he was trying to facilitate me getting into it, so I remember him taking me there. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, it's time to get on to your third song. Is the Gene Harris Quartet a jazz quartet? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and actually, uh, Gene Harris is kind of seen as sort of like one of uh, the protégés of Oscar Peterson. It's kind of a they play a similar style. And actually, the Gene Harris Quartet, which is is the one playing this, uh, the bass player Ray Brown was was Oscar Peterson's bass player too. Okay, well, what's the story behind Summertime? Uh, so I've just uh, we talked about it earlier. I've always been a huge fan of George Gershwin. Um, I just think he wrote some of the most amazing melodies of all time. Um, and my senior thesis was focused on him and his music. And uh, Summertime was one of the, the tunes that I sort of analyzed and looked at uh, because I really loved Porgy and Bess, which is the, the Gershwin opera that the song is from. Um, and I've just always loved the song. And Gene Harris is a phenomenal pianist and his version of this is just so epic in my mind. Um, uh, I'm really excited to share it because I don't think many people have heard this version of uh, Summertime. If you uh, you know dove into it for your senior thesis, tell us one little tidbit about Summertime that might be interesting, and then we'll oh, listen to geez. it. That was like a decade ago. Uh, I don't know that I can remember something specifically about Summertime from my analysis of it, but I, so I'll share one super nerdy music theory thing about George Gershwin. So one technique he used a lot in his music is uh, it's called uh, my, my German pronunciation might be off, but it's called Stufenrechtum. Um, and basically the idea is you can smoothly transition between pretty dissonant harmonies just by making your your voice leading, so which that's like the the different notes how they they move by making it really smooth. So like if you're if you have like a four note chord going into another four note chord, but they don't they kind of clash with each other. If you put a chord between them, 
where the voice leading is really smooth so like all the notes are just moving by like half tones or whole tones uh it'll sound really nice and pleasing instead of sort of jarring i got you talking about music theory that's great (laughs) uh okay well let's listen to this this is uh Um, Summertime, performed here by the Gene Harris Quartet from the 1995 album It's the Real Soul. It's Brendan Rivers' final song on today's episode of Three Song Stories. So when was the last time you listened to that besides maybe preparing for this? So it's been a while, but still, uh, he's just a phenomenal pianist. I I love his take on Summertime. It's just so big and epic and so soulful. I love it. Does JCT play any jazz? Um, we, we do play some, but, uh, our, our music guy, David Luckin, uh, he, he's very eclectic. He plays a lot of different stuff, but he, he himself, he's definitely a big jazz head and he and I will definitely, uh, talk about jazz and, and stuff. So you say you have a music guy. Does he have a weekly show, a daily show, a nighttime show? What does he do? He does a lot. We actually have a, a dedicated music station that we've kind of been oh. experimenting with recently. Yeah. Um, is it broadcast or is it just digital? Uh, it's, it's high, it's HD radio, I think is okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it's also digital. So you can stream it online or you you can listen on uh, HD radio. And so it's 24 hours a day music. I believe so. Yeah. Wow. You guys, uh, what do you guys play overnight? Do you guys still play like jazz or classical or something overnight? We run BBC. Uh, I, I think we're, I think WJCT. So 89.9, I think is 24 hours news now. We used to we used to do, do music at night, but now we only do music on our HD stations. Hmm. Um, are you still doing any composing or sound engineering in your life today? Uh, I haven't done any composing in a very long time. Um, I was still doing audio engineering until the pandemic hit. I was I've been working at at churches because uh, churches always near audio, need audio engineers. So I, I was I had been working at churches on the weekends uh, until the pandemic struck, and then I did not want to be in spaces with a bunch of people. So I stepped back and I, I haven't uh, picked it back up since. Understood. Um, I want to though. <laughs> well, you, you, you can hopefully soon. Um, uh, what about stage musicals? Are you into like, you know, people on stage singing together in a theatrical way? Uh, so I am, um, but definitely not as much as I am into like instrumental music and just pure music. Um, my, one of my sisters, my, my oldest sister tour, and she is a, uh, singer and actress and she, she does a lot of musicals and stuff. So usually if I'm seeing or listening to a musical, it's because she's involved in some way. Do you happen to have a favorite movie soundtrack? Favorite movie soundtrack. I do have a favorite television show soundtrack. That'll work. Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Ah, is that because of Richard? Hey. Oh, no. Is that your favorite too, Richard? Um, it is one of my three songs. Tank was the and, first yeah, song on this Tank. on the pilot episode of this show, oh, really? if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And yeah, the- uh, we actually still use Bebop sometimes as filler music in our log, mm-hmm. uh, like end of day turnover. Um, and... I spent two hours and change walking through the show, uh, like analysis with um, Jared, the intern Gonzalez, the show intern for this show on his podcast, which is like a pop culture thing. They brought Mm. uh, old man Chinqui in to (laughs) talk about 90s anime and um, we talked about Bebop for like two hours. Oh, yeah. Love that show. Love the music. Yoko Kano lives perpetually in my head and uh, actually about- 
about a week ago, Jared um, purchased uh, the vinyl two disc set, uh, and it's man, that is a that is a great pair of records if you do vinyl. The the Beatles yeah. soundtrack, yeah. We have a friend who got that too, but yeah, I I listen to the the music from that show so much. Great show, great music, yeah. Not a lot of lyrics to sing. <laughs> No, no uh, although there are that there's that little bit at the beginning uh <laughs> and he's uh he's the jared formerly known as intern because well that's his title but he, he's, he's not an intern he works he, here he for like real. you brendan he came in here to do an internship with he didn't even know what npr was and, oh, wow. and it just pivoted and now he's our production uh he's a production assistant now and he just wants to keep doing this that's he just loves it here so we have that effect on people yeah, apparently. Um, okay, we're going to speed round you here, so uh, stay on your toes. Okay. Do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life that you'd be willing to share? <laughs> uh, not that it's stuck throughout my life, but I did have a funny nickname as a kid. Um, so I have been over six feet tall since I was like in seventh grade, um, and I played a lot of soccer. And my nickname on my soccer team was Manchild because I was always so much bigger than everybody. And that and was I, the name of Herbie Hancock's album. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't into Hancock back back uh, when I was when I was called Manchild, though. But, oh. but yeah, I always thought that was funny. But I, I still distinctly remember playing soccer and parents from other teams complaining to the ref because they thought there was no way that I was. <laughs> the age I actually was because I was like a head taller than everybody. That's funny. I was the same way. I was my height in eighth grade. I'm like six foot, almost one, a little bit less. And yeah. and by like, you know, my sophomore year, I wasn't even in like the top 20, but I was like the tallest kid in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Karaoke. Are you a karaoke -er? No, because again, that goes back to me not wanting to perform and be in front of people. I've sung karaoke once. Um, and there was some, uh, heavy drinking involved before I did it. And one of my friends went up and sang it with me and we sang, uh, my girl by the temptations. <laughs> I also got really drunk once and did karaoke with a guy that I was friends with. And it's the only karaoke I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> we're in parallel universes. Brandon I know. Funny. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you come in on? Uh, it'd, it'd probably have to be some pretty funky music. Like what? Like what? Hmm. Sure. <laughs> Uh, well, if you guys want to do some extra credit, I think my favorite track recently has been Sleeper by Snarky Puppy. Uh, it's a super cool, funky tune that opens with this really cool, uh, vocoder solo. It's just really, really kind of epic. Ooh, vocoders. Really Bring it up, yeah. Richard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. While he's bringing that up so we can hear what you mean, uh, what would your wrestler name be? Snarky mm. Brendan? No. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably be the Brendanator. Oh, you'd be ominous coming in on this. Give it a second, though. It's, this it, would be when up. you're walking slow. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I would fear any wrestler who could walk in <laughs> to that. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I can see. I can see the Brendanator coming down. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. If you were a cocktail or a drink of some kind that was like a distilled you, what would it be? Ooh. That's a tough one. I don't know. Uh, maybe some kind of old fashioned. Um, I've I've been getting into like Scotch whiskey and bourbon a lot recently. So those those brown liquors I, I like a lot. But generally, I'm I'm definitely more of a, a beer guy. I, I like uh, 
Hefeweizen's a lot. <laughs> so uh, let's say, um, let's say an old fashioned, but with, you know, a non-traditional, you know, not just like just straight bourbon or something or Canadian whiskey. Like what do you, what would you, how would you make it uh, Brendan Rivers? Let's do scotch. And instead of, <laughs> I have no idea if this would be good. I haven't tried it. It doesn't but, have to be. <laughs> we've got okay, some instead of dogs orange, on this list. Let's let's mix it with a little bit of Weihensteffener, which is my favorite Hefeweizen, and Hefeweizens tend to have sort of this fruity taste to it. Okay, so a fruity. So I knew like every third word there. Fruity beer plus <laughs> scotch, and yeah, now you have to name it. Oh gosh, oh man, these are tough, tough questions. Love this. I don't know what's what's the German word for fashioned. Uh, <laughs> uh, so spell, it looks like it looks like modern M O D E R and then I E. RT. Uh, it's hard for me to. I can make it. I'm right. making computer safe. I'm making computer safe. <laughs> well, apparently, Jägermeister old fashions are an actual thing. It won't say it. Computer doesn't care. <laughs> well, let me try some. See, we're willing to go the extra mile for yeah. correct answers to important questions like this. <laughs> well, right, so, so old fashioned translated to Alt-mod- German. Let's go with this. Altmodisch. Yeah. yeah. Altmodisch. Altmodisch. The Altmodisch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's go with that. If you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times in your life? Hmm. That that sleeper tune we were just listening to might might be one of them. Um, hmm. What else could it be? Yeah, it's probably that, and then various versions of "Summertime." Those those are probably the two. More recently, it's been "Sleeper," but I, I remember in in college and stuff when I was really into Gershwin I was listening to a lot of his stuff I was obsessed with his music for a while for sure him him and Duke Ellington they were they were my obsession in college is there a song or album or both that you wish you could hear again for the very first time yes uh one of my favorite albums of all time I believe it's called The Summit and it is Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong just playing a bunch of Duke's tunes what would you say is the most overplayed song of all time? Oh. I don't know if I can think of a specific song, but there are two bands that I think are overplayed and I've never been a big fan of and um, probably a pretty unpopular opinion. I really do not like ABBA or Journey. Huh. <laughs> and I feel like their stuff gets played so much. <laughs> okay. Um if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet simultaneously, which would it be? Ooh. Hmm. I don't know if I, I have a an answer off the top of my head. I feel like if I had time to think, I'd come up with a really good It's called song, The Lightning really Round. Really <laughs> Yeah. But some of this is hard because I listen to so, so much of what I listen to is instrumental music. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, it could be instrumental music. Okay. You're just creating a global collective, collective experience that'll make the news. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I, I think it might be... Uh, Deodato's version of Rhapsody in Blue because I think it's really accessible uh, and Rhapsody in Blue is just such a great piece of music and I think it's a great entry point for people to get into different kinds of music. 
Um, what's it feel like to be the second most famous Brendan on the Fl- Florida public radio scene? Uh, <laughs> 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 this is what I always tell other radio stations. Like, you need to hire a Brendan. There's not enough of us. So, funny story. I'm actually in a Facebook group called All Brendan's. No. <laughs> And everybody in the group just has a different spelling of the name Brendan. Do you um, accept Brennan's? Yeah. Okay. They they accept a lot of different versions of of the name. Um, I, I mean, so it's cool. I, I've I've met Brendan Byrne. I don't know if you remember when we met. It was a while ago. It was before I was working in public radio. Oh, um, he's been on our show Gulf Coast Life a couple of times. I get to talk yeah. to him about space stuff. He's nice. Oh, guy. he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great yeah, guy. I, sorry, I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. I, I, I joke about it all the time, too. Um, okay. Uh, do you have a fourth song that almost made it to the list? Or or is there more than that, that so you couldn't really isolate one? Uh, so in terms of sparking specific memories these were definitely the ones that jumped to mind um if if i had others they might kind of be in similar veins but uh i don't know i guess i would love to play some cory wong because i think people aren't super familiar with him and he's just a super fun musician um he's phenomenal guitar player but he also just does really funny things too he's he's a really weird quirky dude Richard, are you pulling some up? I see you scurrying. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, just a minute. Like that little pizzicato. Like. Mm-hmm. Start playing that Herbie Hancock song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear if jazz plus jazz yeah, makes yeah, yeah. jazz. Oh, I've got so I've got a good song that he does that's not quite as funk. If you want something a little different, look up uh, Underground. That's a really good song. Okay, hold on. Yeah, Corey Wong and Cody Fry. The the version with Metropole Orchestra, I think, is all the right, really good on. one. Oh, but now this is not jazz at all. What is this? No, it's not. Oh, I like this. This is a long way from jazz. Wow. All right. We went places there. Um, Did okay. not expect to land there, yeah. Um, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Brendan. Um, yeah. Brendan, uh, pretty much last question before we rec- you recommend your three people. What would your sure. 14-year-old self, uh, you know, think of who you are today? Uh... I think I think my 14-year-old self would think I'm pretty cool. Um, definitely not where I thought I would end up or what I, I definitely would never have guessed that this is what I would have been doing. Um, but I think at 14, I, I had an appreciation for, for public radio and the importance of a, of a well-informed populace. So uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely trying to, to help out on that front. So when you were 14, driving around in the backseat of your parents' Volvo, which I assume they must have had a Volvo. <laughs> or a Volkswagen. I, I don't think they did, no. Oh, I don't okay. think they had a Volvo. So yeah. you, you were aware of public radio, and you wouldn't have been necessarily disappointed if you knew you were going to wind up there? Not at 14. Maybe when I was younger. I know when I was younger, I definitely thought it was pretty lame when my parents listened to public radio, but. By 14, I, I think I had started to appreciate it. All right. Well, it's time for you to recommend three people that you'll share this with that you think we can get. Sure. So I'll start out with uh, someone I talked about earlier. So Ulysses Owens Jr. Uh, I think he would be a really fascinating person to talk to just because he's, uh, I mean, he's basically a musical genius, you know. <laughs> so just getting to pick his brain about this kind of and stuff. And he's there in Jacksonville? Yeah. He, he. I mean, he goes between here in New York City and, and he, he travels for other stuff, but he's his his home base is, is here in Jacksonville. Cool. We can get him in your studio here. maybe. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, cool. 
Definitely. Uh, number two would be one of my closest friends who, who used to work here at WJCT, uh, but he's now the morning edition host over uh, in Gainesville at WUFT. That's Sky LeBron. Um, and he is a, a, a character. He, he'll be entertaining and his musical tastes are very, very different from mine. <laughs> cool. And he has a studio with a Comrex, so that makes that easy. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and number and, three. Uh, number three, I would uh, say Melissa Ross, who I'm sure your listeners are, or a lot of them are probably pretty familiar with. She's our uh, local daily news show host and and one of the hosts of uh, the statewide program that we do, the Florida Roundup. Awesome. We would love to get all three of them, and they are all well within reach because of technology and the fact that yeah. we do what we do. Um, well, thank you so much, Brendan Rivers. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us and our listeners with? Uh, no, just, uh, I mean, thank you for inviting me to do this. It was a lot of fun. I obviously like music a lot, so getting to, to talk about it is always pretty fun. And it's it was really nice meeting you at that conference, Mike. Um, and it was really great to hear from Richard again. Uh, I mean, Richard, uh, I very much think of as someone who kind of helped uh, put me on the, the path my, my career is on now. So So thank you for that, Richard. Thank you so much, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. And and you know when I came up and asked you, the only reason I did it is because I knew your name and you were from Florida. I had no idea the WGCU background, so this is really cool. And thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chinkui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez, and Chris Duffis is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're handing it back over to Brendan, or more specifically to Sybarite 5, a string quintet playing a composition that Brendan wrote back in college. This is Alamond for String Quintet by Brendan Rivers, performed here by Sybarite 5. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Snap out of it!